0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. And I want you to look at Psalms chapter 119. This is the spot where we stand, Psalms 119. We're going to read God's Word today, we're going to pray, and we're going to get into this idea of responding to the grace of God and being a God who speaks. And what we're going to do is we're going to read this text, this is King David, this pinnacle chapter in God's Word, talking about the law, which is the Bible, in King David's thoughts and hearts and emotions around. He says this, for I find my delight in Your commandments, which I what? Which I love. I will lift up my hands toward Your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on Your statutes. In verse 18, he says this, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of Your law. Let's pray. God, we thank You today for uh, this people that You have saved. There's people that you are at work in, this people that you're speaking to here in Madison on the east side. Thank you for Damascus. I thank you for your grace to her, for the way you've sustained her, for the way you've led her, for the things that you've said to her and for the opportunity that we have to speak back to God, we're praying for the next 40 days as we join our hearts to invest our time in study and prayer and community We're asking, God, that you would speak to us, that you would lead us, that you would tell us what you'd have for us, God, so that we can follow you. God, we pray that you would say so clearly, that you would say so decisively, and that you would say so graciously. God, as we open up your word today and consider the Bible and consider prayer, God, would you change our hearts, would you compel them, would you help us to fall deeply, madly, fully in love with the Bible and with the opportunity that we have to pray we we'll thank You for Your grace in doing so. We pray so for Your glory and for our joy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So I grew up in Northeast Ohio. If you've been here for any length of time, you know that. And I uh, grew up as the son of a vocational pastor of a, of a pretty hardcore church. And when my parents were 13 years old, they split. And I decided that I didn't want anything that had to do with the belief system and the framework that went along with that split, and so at 13, I was pretty disinterested in church and the Bible and praying and singing and all all that stuff, and my mom took my younger sister and I to a very large Baptist church, and when I say Baptist, I mean Baptist with a capital B, right, Baptist, right, and uh, but it was a big church, it was about 1,300 feet, when I told you the first few moments of my exchange, uh, you know, what happened, and why I was interested to continue to go. But over a period of time, uh, I went and by God's grace, people invested in me and cared for me and, and, and loved me. And one of the things that that church gave me was a very deep love and strong trust in the Bible. And I'm forever, forever grateful for that. It's something that as soon as God saved me, a Bible was put in my hands and the framework around why it was true and why it was good and why I could base my life on it was given to me and it has changed my life forever. Now, what's interesting about this is that that church that I went to, they handed me a very specific kind of Bible. They handed me a specific version of the Bible and they kind of gave me the idea that there was a specific version that God used and that God spoke through and that's the one that you were supposed to read. So I read it and I read other things about other versions and and other texts and other original texts and other original language and I went to school and I. Listen to more of it. And then I got into learning about prayer and prayer intercession, right? Prayer at certain times of the day. Talk this way. Ask these things in this name. Lots of different things about the Bible and about prayer. And lots of different men and women, much smarter than me, have written very good books and given very good messages about it. I'm not going to talk about any of those things today. None of them. My premise is twofold. And it's this, number one, God is speaking. God is speaking. God wants to say something to you today on the foundation that He has spoken through His Word. And whether His Word looks like this big old Hebrew-Greek new study Bible, right, or it looks like an app on your cell phone, God has something that He wants to say to you today. Secondly, my premise is that when we speak back, God hears us. When we speak back, God hears us. And so the entire thrust of our time together today is around those two things. We're not going to talk about original text. We're not going to talk about Texas Receptus and and the Vulgate. and God is speaking. And when we speak back, God hears us. In my personal time, um, I've been kind of brought into an intersection that I didn't really intend to be brought into. In my own, uh, I, I've got several kind of streams that invest into me. I have a Bible reading plan, I've got a non-Bible reading plan, and then I've got a listening plan. And in that listening plan, I've been listening to to a guy by the name of Paul David Tripp. I would highly, highly, highly recommend this cat to you. He's currently on a series about a guy by the name of David. David was the king of Israel. He was a man after God's own heart. And he goes through all these relationships, David and Goliath, David and uh, Samuel, David and Jonathan, David, just over and over and over. And it's been a really, really, really good series for me. In my Bible reading plan, I've been reading through the Psalms, about half of which are written by David, and Proverbs, of which David's son wrote the majority of them. And in my non-Bible reading plan, I came across this series known as the Lions of War. And it's actually a fictional work of a guy who took the story of David and his mighty men and explained kind of who David was and who his dudes were. And if you read anything about David, you figure this out very quick. David was a bad, bad man. And I mean bad in the best sense of the word. He was a beast. He was a stud leader. He was an enormous leader. He was a great king. He loved Jesus. He had some pretty falls, like you know, adultery and murder and all that kind of thing. But you know, other than that, <laughs> other than that, and when you read down through his his life, you find out that the God surrounded him with just some absolute monsters of men, just fantastic guys. There's a guy by the name of Beniah. He's known for jumping in a snowy pit and killing a lion. I mean, I'd like that on my tombstone. I don't know what else this cat did, but he jumped into a snowy pit and butchered a lion. Awesome. Guys that were known for these mighty acts. And, and I've been kind of reading through David and his mighty men, reading through the Psalms, listening to Tripp talk about this dude David. And you look at this guy and you can't get away from one overwhelming fact and it's this, that David loved the Bible. Loved the Bible. And when I say the Bible, I need you to understand something. I'm talk, I'm not talking about David loved the book of Ephesians. all right? I'm not talking about David... Uh, appreciated the Gospels and learning about Jesus. I'm talking about the Pentateuch. I'm talking about Leviticus. I'm talking about my man loved Numbers. You know that spot where you get in a Bible reading plan and you get to Leviticus 3 and you, your head goes off of your Bible because you are falling asleep, right? The, you know, the book you all... David had a very romantic feeling toward the Bible. And when you read and listen to him talk about the Bible, you see it come out over and over and over again. This guy was completely enamored with God's Word. Completely enamored with God's Word. And here's the other thing that you notice about him. The dude prayed. The guy prayed like you've never heard anyone pray. The guy did not get the memo that there's certain things that it's improper to say to God. I mean, this cat is like, this guy's messing with me. I want you to disembowel him and I want to bathe in his blood, God. God. I mean, what? <laughs> hey, bro, uh, I know you're the king and all, but that's a little weird. I mean, you read through the Psalms and the guy is so graphic and so explicit. And listen, so dependent on God speaking and God hearing. It's almost like it was a matter of life and death form. It's almost like it was a matter of life and death form. And I'll be honest with you. Of all of the things that David was, the thing that I believe makes him a god after or man after God's own heart is that. You want to be somebody who follows hard after God. You want to be somebody who has a deep, intimate, profound, uh, effective prayer life. You better be somebody who loves to hear from God. And when I say loves, I mean needs. Needs to hear from God. And so David is going to be our guy as an example, as we get into this idea of God is speaking and God hears. Now, when we think about the Bible, let me give you a framework for how I want you to kind of engage with and relate to the Bible. Because if you're honest, man, if I, if, if you just come to church and I hand you this, <laughs> All right? All right, where do I start? I don't know, just start at the beginning. And there's this whole, you know, God's creating stuff and, then, and and a snake and an apple. It's very confusing, right? And then you get into Leviticus and people are getting stoned and it's intimidating. So how how should you interact with the Bible? And, and I'm going to say that this is if you're not a Christian, if you're a brand new Christian, or if you've walked with God for the vast majority of your life, I don't think these changes. Number one, you need to know the Bible. You need to know the Bible. It's a pretty kind of obvious thing, that you should know the Bible, but I don't know very many people who do. I know people who know about the Bible. I know people who acknowledge the significance of the Bible. But in terms of what does the Bible say, what has the Bible done, what has been its effect on your life, you need to know. You need to know what the Bible says. You shouldn't just trust my word. You shouldn't. Trust me. You shouldn't just trust my word. You shouldn't just take my word for it that the Bible says it. You should go back and check. And you should have experiences in your life where God speaks to you and teaches you and preaches to you and you know He said it. That's number one. Number two, you need to believe it. Now why do I make the distinction between knowing and believing? Because there's lots of things that we know that we don't really believe. Right? Lots of things that we know that we don't really believe. And there's a difference between knowing what the Bible says and believing what the Bible says. There are lots of things that I know God wants me to do, but when push comes to shove, it's not that I don't know it, it's that I don't believe it. So whenever my wife and I hit a hard spot, I know that God says, love her as Christ loved the church. It's just that I don't think it works. And I know That I'm supposed to be patient. And I know that I'm supposed to be loving and kind and gentle and meek. I know that I'm supposed to be flowing in the Spirit. I know that I'm supposed to be praying. I know that I'm supposed to be reading my Bible. I just don't believe it. So number one, do you know your Bible? Number two, what you know, do you believe it? And number three, do you love it? Because I can know something and not love it. And I can believe something and not love it. But when you look at the life of David, David knew his Bible. David believed God when he spoke. And David was in love with the God who did. He was in love with the God who did. Now, I need you to understand something. You can't love God and not love the Bible. You can't do it. It's an impossible, impossible thing. Now, why do I lay him out sequentially? Why do I say, no, believe, love? Number one, because... Uh, um, we're not looking for intellectual assent here. We're not looking for you to know the Bible at a theological and academic level. We don't just want you to know. And there are people that they know what the Bible says, but if I said, "Why do you do that? Why do you why do you order your life in that way? Why do you believe it?" They don't know why they believe it. They don't know why they believe the Bible. They, that's just what I've always done. It's just tradition, or I just think it works. It's pragmatism. Or, look man, I'm kind of scared to not. Like, the Bible says it, and so I don't really know if I believe it, but I'm just going to go with it because I'm afraid of what God will do to me if I don't. Or, I think that if I do it, God will do something nice to me. And so we have all these different ways that we come at the Bible, we're just afraid, it's just the way we've always done it, we think it works, but... We don't have any emotional compulsion or any romance or any desire or any kind of interaction at the being moved level. When you read the Bible and you read God's people talk about the Bible, and they're rabid about it, and they're emotional about it. Has there ever been a time where you've read God's Word and it's brought you to tears? Has there ever been a time when you've read God's Word and and it felt like God shot a lightning bolt through you? As, have there been times where you've spent time with God and you walked in discouraged and you walked out on cloud nine? You walked in uh, without clarity and you walked out with perfect clarity. You walked out needing God to speak and He did by you opening up His words. Listen, that's not, I know it. That's not, I believe it. That's, I love it! And that's what we see from David. And here's what I need you to know. If you love the Bible, I won't have any problem getting you to seek to know it. And I won't have any problem getting you to believe it because you'll love it because of who wrote it. You'll love it because of who wrote it. So to love it is to know and believe it, but not the other way around. Does that make sense to you? And so we have to kind of check ourselves before we get into it and say, like David, do I need God to speak? Do I need God to hear? And like David, do I know it? Do I believe it? Do I love it? Do I need it? Am I desperate for it? And if you're somebody who is desperate for it, let me tell you something. You're not going to need a reading plan. You're not going to need a reading plan. It's going to be harder to keep you away from it than it is to get you into it. So, here's the obvious question. Tim, you're up there today in your ugly paisley shirt. And, <laughs> seriously, I put my shirt on, my wife walks in the door and she goes, Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> I was like, "What? It's hipster Paisley." Um, <laughs> this is what she said to me. She goes, "She goes. I guess you got to be confident to wear that shirt." <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> I was like, "Well, good, because I am." <laughs> Anyways. <clears throat> That has nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> why? You're up there and you're talking about loving God's Word. I don't know why I should. I mean, what's lovely about it? Uh, all the things that I've heard about it aren't very lovely. And I and I run into people who, who they use it to do really messed up things. I'm glad you asked. Because the Bible describes itself for us. And I want you to hear just a few of the things that the Bible says about itself. Number one, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says that it is given and inspired by God. Let me tell you a real quick story about the Bible. Over 1,600 years, over 40 different authors, in different times, in different places, different races, different backgrounds, different perspectives, God in his providence and sovereignty chose to inspire to speak into human beings' ears, to put pen to paper, and then preserve God's Word to such an extent that now you can get a stupid app on your phone and hear from God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The fact that I can open up an iPad and listen to God inspires words that He gave to me and to you tell us who He is And what He's making us. 1 Thessalonians 2 says it's the very words of God. It's the very words of God. And this is the thing about translations. I'm going to say this one time and then I'm never going to say it again. Get a translation that translates words, not ideas. I don't want you to give me what you think God meant. Give me what God said. Why? Because He said specific things. These are God's words, man. I want you to think about this. Whatever you're into, right? Playoffs are going on right now. I say to you, listen, at three o'clock today, I got a phone call set up for you. Who is it? Michael Jordan. You're into politics. Eh, Forget it. You're into (laughs) whatever you're into. You're into tech, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs through some kind of weird seance. Um, You know. You have the opportunity to speak to somebody of significance, somebody who did something that you respect, somebody who, would you be excited? And I would. I would. I mean, there are people right now, they aren't famous, but they're good. And God has used them. And if I have an appointment with them, if I'm going to talk to them, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear from them. You know what your Bible is? God's speaking to you. God's speaking to you. It's God's very... Words In Proverbs 6, it says it's a perfect guide for life. Listen, some of you right now, you're sideways. You don't know what to do. You've got questions. You don't know how to order your life. You don't know what's up and what's down. You need somebody to speak clearly and wisely into your life. Where should you go? God's Word. To hear God's words. To hear words inspired by God and preserved for you for today. It's a perfect guide for life. Psalms 12, it's pure. Psalm 119, it's true. Proverbs 30, it's trustworthy. Psalms 19, it's perfect. Isaiah 55, it's effective. Hebrews 4, it's powerful. Deuteronomy 4, it's complete. Listen, God has everything that he's going to say is in your Bible. There is no... God, finish the sentence. And he says, don't take away from it. Don't add to it. Now, God, through his spirit, says other things to us in his word and through his word. But God says, it's a completed work, man. You can can trust it. It's powerful. It's bigger than whatever you're going through because it's from me. And in fact, whenever Jesus shows up, what is the word that God uses to explain who Jesus is? That he's the, the word. The Logos. He is the Word incarnate, right? The completed version of what God has to say to you is in the Bible. Romans 16, is for everyone. You say, man, I've never read the Bible. The Bible's for you. You say, man, I got my PhD. The Bible's for you. You say, I got everything that I need. The Bible's for you. I got nothing that I need. The Bible's for you. I'm from this background or that background. I think this or that or these or those. The Bible is for you. You say, you don't even know my story. I don't need to. The Bible is that big and that significant and that powerful. James 1, it's to be obeyed. It's to be known, it's to be believed, it's to be loved, and it's to be obeyed. The Bible is not this intellectual assent, right? I know this. It's to be lived. It's to be practiced. It's to incarnate and to shape who we are. And then lastly, and this is my favorite. Are you ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready. All right, you sound ready. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Listen, you're sitting in here today, you're talking about this Jesus guy. I, I don't know anything about him. I can tell you where to go. I can tell you where to go. It's wonderful because in John chapter 5, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And you know what he says to the Pharisees? He says, you know what your problem is? You don't know your Bible. Now, I want to show you something. I don't know whose this is, so I'm sorry if I messing with your Bible. The Pharisees would have been dudes who memorized the Old Testament. Let me show you what that means. Zechariah, Malachi. That means they memorized that. You know what Jesus says to them? Y'all don't know your Bible. Why? He says because if you read your Bible and didn't realize it was about me, you didn't get it. You want to know about the magnificence of Jesus? Read your Bible. You want to know who Jesus is? Read your Bible. You want to know what Jesus does and what he's like and how he sounds and how he acts? Read your Bible. You can't separate the personal work of Jesus from the Word of God because Jesus identifies himself with the Word of God. With the Word of God. This is the most magnificent book, the most life-changing book, the most beautiful book, the most miraculous book, the most powerful book that you will ever read because it is the very words of God characterizing the very person of God and it will change you from the top of your bald head or my bald head to the bottom of your feet. That's why you should love it because there's nothing as trustworthy, nothing as powerful, nothing as true, nothing as perfect as the Bible. I'm reading through this book, The Lions of War, talking about David and his mighty men. and The author says in it that his men thought that David was a strange man. They thought he was a bad man. They thought he was a strange man. Because he was always singing, and he was always seemingly talking to himself. you got this dude who's a nasty soldier. No one wants to mess with this cat. And the brother's always singing. He's off talking to himself. What was David doing when he was singing? He was worshiping. And what was he doing when he was seemingly talking to himself? He was praying. He was praying. Whenever you read down through the Bible as it talks about prayer, probably my favorite verse is in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. I want to show it to you. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Luke is speaking and he says, He that being Jesus told them a parable, to the effect, I like that. Let me boil this all down for you. They ought to always pray and not lose heart. When you read down through the Bible, it gives a very high standard about prayer. It's that you should pray how often, all the time, pray without cease. Now that doesn't mean that you should stay in your bed on your knees with your hands crossed and your eyes closed. Closed. Not go to work. You know. Not mow the lawn. Not whatever it means that you should always be in conversation with God to the point that it seems like you're talking to yourself. So you're at work. Something goes good. Thank you, God, for your grace. to me. something goes bad, I trust you, God, that you're sovereign. I trust you, God, that you're faithful. I trust you, God, that you have plans for me, even when it doesn't look like it. All the time talking. All the time conversing. All the time praying. Matthew 26 says pray when you're tempted. James 5 says pray when you sin. Psalms 34 says, pray when you are in need. Paul says, pray when you're grateful. 1 John 5 says, pray boldly. And, just in case you're worried about it, Romans chapter 8 says, if you need help, God will help you pray. I don't know what to say. Just get started. God will meet you in it. That's what God says about prayer. And I know that, and I love that, but can I tell you the part that I love the most? That Jesus knew to say, don't lose heart. Let me ask you a question. Have any of you in your attempts to be a person of prayer ever lost heart around it? Yeah, me too. Me too. Let me tell you why that is. I think there's two reasons. One is because I think that the, the prayer is one of the most ultimate acts of humility. Prayer is just by very nature saying, you're God and I'm not. And that's hard. Why? Because I'm proud. And so the act of coming to God dependently saying I need to hear from you I need you to hear me is hard for me and it sanctifies me and it changes me but secondly and I think that this is probably the bigger one is that prayer is fundamentally an act of faith it's fundamentally an act of faith let me tell you why you have to have the faith to believe that God is real to pray and you have the faith have to have the faith to believe that God can hear you when you pray. And you have to have the faith to believe that God wants to hear you when you pray. And you have the faith to believe that if He exists and can hear you and wants to hear you, that what He hears, He wants to do something about and can do something about. Let me tell you something. There have been times in my life where I have not believed that God existed. You say, oh my gosh, Tim, you're a pastor. Yep, I am. And even more than the times that I haven't believed God existed, there's been times that I believe that God couldn't or wouldn't hear me. Kind of a pragmatic thing. Like the ceiling just keeps knocking them back to me. And then if I had the faith And I didn't lose heart that my God is real and exists and that he wants to hear from me and that he can hear from me. I've gotten stuck on. I keep asking you for the same doggone thing and you're doing nothing. So that either means you don't want to or you can't. And on any of those points, it's very easy if I get over the humility that draws me to prayer to have faith. And keep heart that all of those things are true. So what does Jesus say? Don't lose heart. Why not, Jesus? Because God is real. Because he can hear you. Because he wants to hear you. Because he can do something. And because he wants to do something. Whenever you read the Bible and you hear this idea of prayer... Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says it this way. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Last couple days it's actually been like spring here in our state. And uh after I got out of the shock expected to have to go shovel snow um, I sent the kids outside. He guys are going to play outside. Dad, we don't want to play outside. What are we going to do? I don't know. You're going to figure it out. Fifteen minutes into it. Knock on the door. Five minutes after that. Literally all day. 484,000 times. Right? Do you know that in fact that is exactly what God is wanting us to do in prayer? Ding dong. Ding dong. Ding, 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 ding. Ah! That's the language. I'm not making this up. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Keep asking. Keep Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. I'm a God who speaks. I'm a God who hears. Don't lose heart. Keep asking. Keep asking. Keep asking. So the question, of course, becomes... If God hears, how does He answer prayer? Let me give you five ways. The first is that God says, No. I love you too much. No. Make sure you get this. I love you too much. Do you know how many times a day my kids ask me for candy and to watch TV? (laughs) Yes, you do. If you have kids, you know. There are times that I say yes, but there are lots of times that I say no. Why? Because I care about their teeth and their brains and their hearts. And so I don't say no out of cruelty. I say no out of love. I don't say no to withhold. I say no to protect. Be careful when God says no that you think he's cruel. Be careful. The enemy will say, why would God withhold that from you? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Number two, yes, but not right now, which is almost worse than no, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't think you realized I needed that right now, God. Yes, but not right now. I'm going to use this grace as you pray, as you don't lose heart, to teach you, to mold you, to transform you. Number three, yes, but not that way. Yes, but not that way. Have you ever asked God for something and He said yes and He gave it to you? It just wasn't exactly what you meant? Yeah. It's kind of like, God, would you give me patience? Be very careful, I'm just saying. Sure I will. Sure I will, buddy. Wow. I can't believe you fell for that one again. Yeah. No. Yes, but not that way. Number four. Yes, but there's more. You're not asking big enough. And can I tell you something? As we go into these next 40 days, I'm going to ask you to make sure that you don't pray small prayers. I'm going to ask you that you pray God-sized prayers, brave prayers, as we saw in the book of Ephesians. That you ask bigger than you because God is bigger than you. Then number five, yes, I'm glad you found me. I'm glad you Of those five, how many were yes? Four. Four. Why? Because we serve a generous and gracious God who loves to say yes, but He loves us so much that He says yes in a very particular way. Listen, God is real. God hears you. God can hear you. And when we pray, God answers us. God answers us. God speaks we speak back and God moves and we respond. God is a God who is active and verbal and experiential and tangible. What are you asking God for right now? What do you need to hear from God on? Your marriage, your kids, your work, your finances, your addiction, your struggle. What do you need to hear from God on? What do you need in God to do? What do you need in God to do? What's the thing that only God can accomplish right now? If you need to hear from God, you need to go to His Word. And if you need Him to do something, you got to ask him. So for the next 40 days, guys, we're going to, as a church, commit to hear and to listen. We're going to commit to speak and be spoken to. And I'm going to ask you to make the investment. I'm going to ask you to do whatever you got to do to read through the Scripture, to study the notes, to pray the prayers, to get into community. Why? Because God is speaking. And because when God speaks, life happens. Miracles happen. Transformation occurs. Whether it's exactly like we thought or not, I don't know. What's He going to do? I don't know. But I can't wait. I can't wait. Stand with me. We're going to spend some time singing to our God who speaks. This is the opportunity that we have to respond. God has spoken. We've looked at His Word. In worship, we're speaking back. In pr- in prayer, if you need prayer, come up. The elders will be in the front. In praise, we're going to be led. In praise, I want you to sing so you can... Have the Holy Spirit inhabit our praise. We take communion. We're going to remember who God is and what He's done. We're going to do it together. If you didn't get the email last night, sign up at the front. Big things, guys. God has something to say to this church. Something bigger than any of us can come up with. And I don't want to miss it. So I'm going to ask you to come along. Pray with me. God, we thank you today for your grace. We thank you today for your mercy and not leaving us alone and not leaving us in confusion and ambiguity, but speaking clearly. Not only speaking, but saying, come and speak to me. Talk to me. Come to me boldly. So God, as we hear your word, as we hear what you've said, who you are, what you've done, what you're making us, hope us not lose heart and pray. Help us to believe that you're real. Believe that you exist. Believe that you can and do and want to hear and can and do and are doing bigger things. God, we thank you that you go before us. Empower us as we seek to follow you. for your glory and our joy we pray. Amen.